Hello and welcome back to another episode of the DFS Today podcast and The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Wednesday, January 25th, and we have an absolutely loaded podcast. But before I do that, I have a few notes of housekeeping. First is that today's episode is going to be the only NFL episode of the week. Since we only have two games this week, we don't need multiple episodes to cover the slate. So I'm joined by Gibby today. I'll introduce him in one second. Uh, we're going to do the whole thing. Best bets, gambling trends, spend-up options, value options, and a core four. It is an absolutely loaded football podcast today. And in exchange for reducing the NFL count, we are starting official NBA content back up on the advantage. I will be joined. This is an exciting one. This Friday by Sports Ethos' own Aaron Bruski to talk NBA futures, some divisional bets, kind of check in with him before the All-Star game comes around and the narratives around the NBA season really kick up. So now's a great time to jump into those futures markets. So me and Brew talking hoops for you this weekend. Anyways, back to today's episode. Gibby Graves back in the building with me. Gib, how are you doing this week? Good. Happy to be back on the pod. Always always a pleasure to, to hop on with you, Mike. So last week I came on the pod, introduced you, and said we absolutely crushed it in the first week in Wild Card Weekend. We don't need to talk about it. Let's move on. I'm going to do the same thing right now for us, Gib. We did not do too great last weekend. I went, I think, 3-3 three and three in my bets, but they lost two-tenths of a unit. I did not cash in DFS. I was stupid enough myself to even the good recommendations that I gave out, like that Jalen Hurts was my favorite quarterback. I didn't even end up playing him myself. I played Mahomes in one spot, Purdy in another, shot myself in the foot, have egg on my face. Let's move on. We don't got to talk about it. Um, (laughs) The one thing I do actually want to talk about before we get into the NFL conversation for this week is I want to have a generic gambling conversation around the idea of hedging bets. So, Gib, on my first ever episode of the advantage i had tyler on with me one of our good friends and shout out to tyler shout out and we gave out <laughs> eagles 40 to 1 to win the super bowl so that was last march of 2022 that ticket is sitting quite pretty right now with the eagles facing brock purdy to reach the super bowl at home and the eagles in the live odds are plus 200 to win the super bowl so My bet carries an implied probability of 2.5% likelihood, 40 to 1 odds. The current odds have it as a 50% implied probability. So, I ask you this, Gib. Do you think I should hedge this ticket at all? Or would would you like me to explain my hedging philosophy before I even throw that to you? Explain your your hedging philosophy before I, I hop in with my opinion on it. Okay. I'm going to explain my hedging philosophy, and let's use this as the example because this is, I think this is a great time to talk about whether or not you hedge futures because you might have a 49ers future, you might have a Bengals future, you might have a Chiefs future or an Eagles future, and this philosophy will apply to all of them. It's just how you have to pick your spot and understand which side of the coin you're on. So my approach to hedging is this, Gib. I only do it when two things are happening. One. I have gained value in my original ticket. So that's pretty clear, right? I just explained the implied probabilities from a 40 to one down to a plus 200. I have clearly gained a lot of value on this ticket. However, my second point is I only hedge when I no longer like the bet. And I'm looking at these gambling trends. I'm watching this line movement. I'm seeing this Eagles line open at 1.5 tick up to two, tick up to minus two and a half. There is clear, sharp action on the Eagles at home. They have the rest advantage because they played the Giants before the Cowboys played the 49ers. They don't have to travel at all. All that good stuff. I think the Eagles are going to win this game, so I am not hedging at all. I think if I put in a 40 to 1 ticket, I should hope to get 40 to 1 payout. If I knew I was going to hedge in this spot, regardless of who the opponent was or what the line movement said or any of those indicators, then I should have just taken them to win their division or win the conference or make the playoffs or advance one round in the playoffs. If I put in a 40 to 1 bet to win the Super Bowl, that's what I'm going for. 
I do not like hedging futures unless you've gained value in the ticket, but simultaneously no longer like the bet. So I am not hedging this, and I'm going to throw it to you. If you had an Eagles future at 40 to 1, what would you do? Eagles future. I do have an Eagles um, bet in right now. I bet them when the playoffs started to win the Super Bowl. Um, I wouldn't hedge this either. Um, the 40 to 1. I, I, I like those odds that you have. Um, unless you're trying to guarantee yourself a profit, right? Like, is is that your is that your end goal here? Is your end goal to actually make like a dollar profit, or is it to see like the forty to one profit that you can you can make out? It depends on what your goal is here. And I think I don't think you're just trying to make, you know, one dollar, right? You're not trying to guarantee yourself a, a profit here. I would have never put in a forty to one bet if I was only trying to take that small of an ROI. We need to remember that when you're betting futures, especially when I put this in last March of 2022, to say it again, this money has been tied up in my account for 11 months until the following Super Bowl in February. So to hope for such a small ROI is generally like any ROI in sports gambling is good return on investment, you want to make a profit. But if you're going to tie up some future funds and not have it be liquid in your account to be betting on a, a line here or a line there that you know, you get the return the next morning, um, you generally want a, a little bit higher of an ROI betting futures than you do generally sports betting and on given lines. So to answer Gibby's question, I just wouldn't have even put in a 40 to one ticket if I wanted a $1 profit, then my bet would have been Eagles to make the playoffs, right? Because you would have had less time that that bet is pending because the playoffs start four or five weeks before the Super Bowl. You would have had closer odds. You would have had already received the payout in return. You would have cashed the ticket and you would have been able to put that money to more use. So for me, I would only hedge if I no longer like the spot. So for this week, if I was sitting on a 49ers ticket, Gib, if I had 49ers, yeah. let's say 28 to one to win the Super Bowl, I would start hedging. My, I have two caveats to the if you don't like it, right? So the first one is if you – the 40 to 1 odds, is, is those are high odds. But, like, if they were insane odds, like say this was, like, you know, 500 to 1, right? And then it's now it's the Super Bowl and it's, like, Eagles need to win. Um, you still like the bet, but if they win, now, now, like, you win a ton of money – but if they lose, you lose your original um, your original bet. Would you ever hedge in that in case there was like, you know, it's not going to be that 501. But if the odds were even more incredible, maybe it was like a college basketball bet and it was like someone to win the tournament and something like or something like that. So I got Cleveland Cavaliers to win the NBA title before the Donovan Mitchell trade. I was called myself Evan Mobley's biggest fan at 120 to 1. So maybe we mm -hmm. could use that as a little example. Cleveland Cavaliers looking half decent. Maybe they have a playoff run. No, not, he not hedging unless I've gained value and no longer like the spot. So I like the spot of the 49ers. I don't care if, I, if the ticket loses and I end up losing one unit and it's 1.2% of my account. If I'm putting in that bet, I'm hoping for the return that I originally put that bet in. I am calculating my plus EV compared to the percent likelihood and implied probability. I do all those things. Sports gambling is one giant math problem for me. It is, it, it is analytics. It is data. It is formulas. It is not how do I view sports and do I think I know what I'm seeing. It is what do the numbers tell me to do and how should I play that to maximize my efficiency in this market. So the way to do that is not to hedge, but I do think that's a good question, Gabe. Having a massive ticket does, you know, say, okay, do I even just put a tiny bit just so that I don't lose money? Sure. It's, it depends how much you ended up risking in the beginning, but I wouldn't do it because I'm, I don't put myself in spots to, like, lose a lot. So I'd rather just lose it if I lose it. Is there a, is there a number of units that you would consider too high not to hedge? Three. So three, three units. units is my maximum exposure on a line. Uh, that's when you've now betting three and a half percent of your account. Um, so, yeah, three units. I often talk about. It's another great question, Gib. Two great questions in response. That's why I'm having you on the pod. Um, 
I am hedging if I no longer like the ticket and doesn't matter of the odds and I would never bet more than three units on a line. So the units, yeah. the units isn't going to matter to me because I'm not going to bet that much to begin with anyway. So I'm willing to lose three units, which is also the most I'll ever put on a line. So I talk about maximum exposure a lot in the Sports Ethos Discord, sometimes on my Twitter. And those are the things that I'm talking about. Like, you never want to put yourself in a spot where even though you like a line, you've put too much exposure on it where you could, even if the ball rolls the other way, crazy shit happens in sports gambling, you might end up losing that ticket. So I'll ask one, one last question, and this is an example of what I did and want to get your thoughts here. Yep. Beginning of the season, uh, put in a bet. I was all in on the Chiefs. I had Mahomes in fantasy. I put a I put a Super Bowl bet for the for the Chiefs. As I said earlier, uh, when the playoffs started, I saw I looked at the odds. I thought the Eagles were way too low, and so I bought a I, I took a hedge bet uh, on that on my original Chiefs bet on the Eagles just because I liked what the Eagles' odds were. Um, and so now I have both Chiefs. And Eagles Super Bowl champion uh, bet in for the same amount. Um, uh, I can't. I don't know what units they are, uh, but it's a pretty high bet for both of them to win. What are your thoughts on that hedge based off of when I looked at the playoff odds? When I looked at that, I'm totally fine with it. I will never stop myself from betting another Super Bowl winner if I think the odds provide plus EV just because I have another future. So, like I often talk about building portfolios in these futures markets. So for the sixth yep. man of the year in the NBA, I have Brogdon, I have Poole, I have Norm Powell, and I have Dinwiddie. So I saw all of them at various times, at various odds, and I thought, well, now's a good time to jump in the market. So for defensive player of the year, I have Jaron Jackson Jr., which is sitting real pretty now, and I'm thinking about sprinkling some money on OG Adenobi or Bam Adebayo. So just other examples of how you jump into the futures market to diversify your portfolio. If you saw Chiefs and you're like, wow, I also think Eagles carry some value here. Let me also bet the Eagles. That in itself is even great because you know those teams can't meet into the Super Bowl too. You get that little added boost that they can't even meet before the final game when those tickets would cash. So if they do meet in the Super Bowl, we'll have to have you back on to discuss how are you going to play this now? Are you going to hedge? Are you going to go middle this? Are you going to tilt your exposure towards one direction? Or are you just going to let both tickets sit pretty? We don't need to answer that now. We will answer that, hopefully, because we don't want to fucking jinx it, in two weeks. All right. Let's go over the gambling trends, the line movement indicators, and all that good stuff like we normally do here on the pod. Gib, I appreciate you having a little hedging discussion with me. I'm going to do a little tweet thread about that soon. But let's talk about the live odds for this week. The Eagles 49ers is the first game of the weekend, Sunday at 3 o'clock Eastern time. This line opened at Eagles minus 1.5. It opened at Eagles minus 2 in some books. It is now up to Eagles minus two and a half with the odds juiced to minus 115 on the Eagles. So we are seeing definite sharp action on the Eagles. FanDuel is reporting 72% of the bets on the Eagles, 79% of the money on the Eagles. So we know that the higher amount of money, like the, the bet tickets with more money on them are on the Eagles. That's an indicator that the sharp side is the Eagles. And we also know that the line movement is following the trends of the money. So that's also likely the sharp side. We do not have a case of reverse line movement here. In the total, where did this total open up? The total opened here at 47.5, and, and it is down to 46.5. So we have one point of movement towards the under we have the under juiced at minus 112 so definite money coming in on the under and remember it crossed through that 47 so 47 is a very important number for nfl totals and crossing through the 47 you have missed a key number so if you are going to jump in on the 46 and a half just a buyer beware maybe you want to buy the half tick point up to 47 if you want to but just know that that's where you are my best bet is on the Eagles minus two. I gave that out a few weeks ago. I mean, a few days ago, earlier in the week. I still really like the Eagles minus 2.5. That would be one of my best bets of the weekend. I gave it out for two units. 
I am now at maximum exposure give on this line if you consider my two units on the Eagles and my one unit on their future. So that's how you know I'm not going to be playing anything more on this game. I'm not going to be jumping into the total. I have a maximum exposure spot on this game, on the Eagles. What are your thoughts for this one before we talk about the next one? I'm not going to underrate the Eagles like I did last week when I thought the Giants had a chance to upset them. Watching that game, it was absolute domination. Um, I like the Eagles here as well, uh, minus two and a half. Um, Hurts looked great. Uh, their defense looked great. Uh, they, 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 I didn't see many holes in their team. I know San Francisco has a great has a great defensive line. Um, and last week I doubted Purdy, which I should stop doing because he is proving time and time again to be good. Um, but I think the Eagles right here, too loaded, too good of a team. I'm going Eagles two and a half, minus two and a half here. And they also have the, like, I know I mentioned this very briefly before, but they also have the schedule and rest advantage here. So one of the things I bet most into for NFL spots is schedule and rest advantage. Eagles playing this game one day before and having eight days rest compared to the 49ers having seven days rest, which is standard time, but now traveling from San Francisco to the East Coast where they then lose three hours. It just makes it a tough travel spot. I just traveled from California to the East Coast in Florida. I was jet lagged as hell. So I know I'm not a professional athlete. Uh, I'm not some elite athletic performer. Far from it. Gibby might be, but not me. Or Gibby used to be, let me say. Not anymore. Used to be. <laughs> <laughs> I might still have more juice than Gib these days. All right. Uh, let's talk about Bengals versus Chiefs, Gib. This line opened at Chiefs minus three and a half. It is now all the way down to Bengals minus one and a half. We are seeing huge amounts of money come in on Cincinnati Bengals. FanDuel reporting 79% of the bets, but 84% of the money. Oh, it literally just ticked. I watched it before my eyes. Sorry about that. We will keep this in the pod because watching live movement betting trends is important. Give me the odds just changed as I started speaking. It is now Bengals minus one, Chiefs plus one. So we have some reverse action back to the Chiefs. Is that because we got word that Patty Mahomes is practicing? We'll talk about it in a minute. Anyways, definite money on the Bengals in this spot so far and definite money on the under in this spot so far. This line opened at 52 and a half. It is all the way down to 47 and a half. It was even at 46 and a half last night. So this Chiefs Bengals line is moving all over the place today. It's ticked up a point in the total, even though it's generally ticked down five points since it's opened. It's moving in the spread, even though it's moved a lot since the open. Uh, my best bet that I already gave out, which I've lost value on, I gave out Chiefs minus one because I didn't think it was going any further than that. I thought now's the time to jump in the Chiefs when everyone's worried about Mahomes. I was wrong. It's now a Chiefs plus one. Gib, what would be your best bet? Would you take the Chiefs plus one right now? Would you stay off this game altogether? Would you still even follow the money and take the Bengals? Or has the line moved too much? How are you reading the current odds of this game? I'm trying to not let my futures bet impact my decision on what I want to bet here. Uh, but I do like the Chiefs here. Um, I think Mahomes is going to play. I think he's going to be great. Um, I think there's an emotional part of Mahomes where he doesn't want to let Burrow overtake him as like the it quarterback in the league. Um, and I think that I think that matters to him more than people are are letting on or people have been reporting. So I think he comes out. I think he balls out. I think he shows out. And uh, for that reason, I'm going to go with the with the Chiefs here. So I just want to touch on this. Your situational spot for the Chiefs does set up to fit my rules for a hedge spot. So it would be interesting if you did decide to hedge. Obviously, you're not. You're riding with the Chiefs. That's totally fine. Inherently, I like that because I'm not a fan of hedging. You are just reducing your expected value output if your bet does win. So if you like your bet, you still roll with it. I like the idea of not hedging. However, the idea of saying... I've gained value on my ticket from when I first put this in. You certainly did on the Chiefs right now. But I no longer like the spot because all of the action and the sharp money has been coming in on the Bengals, except for like three seconds ago when we had some 
reverberation in that line. So, um, Gib, your your situation does set up for for a Bengals um, head spot. You could either do it by taking the Bengals to win this game. You could either or the Bengals to win the Super Bowl because you already have Eagles Super Bowl. So then you would have potentially have Eagles, Bengals, and Chiefs, and then only be left with 49ers to screw you over. So if you were going to hedge off the Chiefs, Gib, how would you do it? Would you do it with Bengals in the Super Bowl, or would you do it with Bengals in just this one game? Uh, whew, that's hard. Uh, I think I would go Bengals just this one game. Um, if the Bengals were to win this game and beat the Chiefs, in my opinion, upset the Chiefs, um, I don't know if they'd be able to beat either the Eagles or the 49ers. So if I'm going to hedge, it's going to be to win this one game um, because I, I, I wouldn't like the value or I wouldn't like the odds of the Bengals beating either the 49ers or the Eagles uh, in the next in the Super Bowl. So that's just objectively the right answer. And then in addition to that, you're also speaking, and if you were following Gibby's logic, he's also insinuating that if he did take the Bengals to win the Super Bowl – instead of the Bengals just to win this line, and we got to that point, he's talking already about he would hedge off that ticket if he got there. So if you're saying, I would like if the Bengals got there, I'm not sure if they'd win the Super Bowl, then no reason to put in a Super Bowl ticket on the Bengals. Ronnie, chill out. Um, so, yes, in this spot, it clearly makes the most sense. If you were going to hedge it to take the Bengals in this one game, I would take the money line just so that you don't have any weird middle stuff with, you know, pushing on the minus one and the Bengals winning by one point, still losing the other bet. I would just play the money line at minus 112. Um, I have, again, only Eagles minus two and Chiefs minus one as my bets this week. I have no plays on any of the totals for this game. I see the lines moving a little bit all over the place. Definitely some injury concerns um, in that chiefs Bengals game where we're not getting the most information early in the week. So right now, no plays on the totals. Gibby, do you like any over-unders in either of these spots? 46.5 for Eagles, 49ers, and 47.5 for Bengals, Chiefs? If I'm going to go with any of the overs, I'm going to go overs with the Bengals, Chiefs. I think both of those offenses are uh, pretty high-powered, um, whereas 49ers and Eagles, they do have high-powered offenses, but those defenses scare me a little bit. Um, and now putting up points. Um, I'm not sure. In, in, in the playoffs, Mike, uh, in, in, in your mind or in, in the numbers, are the, are the scores typically a little bit lower? I'm assuming yes, right? No, not this year. No, um, no in the not first round we had a lot of overs. In the second round we've had a lot of unders. Um, it could go either way. There's, there's, there's more weather factors because we're, we're in – colder climates obviously it was snowing in the bills game last week so you get more of those situations but the, the totals are priced accordingly so they know that the pace of the game might slow down in the playoffs and they price it there so even though there might be less scoring but that doesn't correlate to a better win percentage on an over or an under because the line is fixed to account for those caveats um I do think I agree, though. If I was going to bet any total, it's jumping in on that Bengals-Chiefs game just because the line has moved so much from up at 52.5 all the way down to 47.5 that you have, you've moved through the 52, the 51, the 48, and now you're even sitting near that 47. You could buy it half point down and take it over 47, and you have so many important numbers towards an over on two teams with explosive offenses. So I know... We're concerned about Mahomes' injury. He's practicing today. You are seeing that line tick back up a point, so maybe you see more movement towards the over. If you were going to take a side, I mean, a, a a total in this game or for the weekend, that would be my best recommendation. Um, so, Gib, you're the Mahomes whisper of our group of friends. Do you think we've heard that he said, uh, Andy Reid said, the ankle sprain is not as bad as it was in 2019. In 2019, Mahomes sprained his ankle in week one, comes back in week two, throws for 440 yards and four touchdowns. So 
what is your level of concern for Patrick Mahomes' play this week? You seem like you're willing to stay riding the Chiefs. Is this line movement an overreaction? Is it is it potential that he won't? Is it an indicator that he maybe won't play? Like, how are you reading this amount of line movement given the Mahomes injury? My level of concern on Patrick Mahomes' performance because of his ankle is as low as it can get. He, as I said before, he's a dog. He is, he is the most competitive dude in the league. He's going to show up big time in this game. I have him in DFS. He's my quarterback uh, this week. Um, I think he's going to put on a show. Uh, I would one of the bets I have this week is him throwing for two seventy five plus. Um, in on uh, I have it on DraftKings. I mean on FanDuel. Um, and so. I have him him showing out this week. So I'm very much with that. Let me ask you something, Gib. In when we yeah. play DFS, we often talk about ownership projections and like who's going to be the most used quarterback and all these things. Do you think that people are going to be scared off Mahomes' injury and he's going to be less used because of it? Like, do you think more people are going to play Jalen Hurts even against a really tough matchup in San Fran D? Do you think people are going to drop all the way down and play Joe Burrow or Purdy? If you were going to project the ownership for the four quarterbacks, my guess would be it goes Hurts first, then Burrow, then Mahomes, then Purdy. How do you see the projected ownership of the four quarterbacks? Um, I would disagree slightly. I think the San Francisco defense is going to scare people off Hurts a little bit. So I think Mahomes goes one, Burrow two, then Hurts, and then Purdy pretty drastically lower than the top three. Okay. So you actually think maybe later in the week we're getting good Mahomes news and come – Time that the slate kicks off, people are less concerned. He's active. We know he's been active since Saturday. The games don't start till Sunday at three o'clock, and people are going to be playing Mahomes at pretty fair, fairly normal clip. Yeah, I think so, and I think people are also riding Joe Burrow pretty high too. I think like off that big win against the Bills, uh, people have he's been getting a lot of press, a lot of people talking about him, and I think that's going to impact that ownership percentage uh, that you were talking about before. And I think. Because of all the conversations people have had about like him versus Allen, him versus uh, Mahomes, who's the you know who's the king of the AFC, um, I think he's going to get a higher percentage than you know people ex- would one might expect or you might expect. Is there a case to be made for playing Joe Burrow in this spot? Is it because the matchup? I mean, he's kind of sitting there in like no man's land for prices. This is a lot higher than Burrow has been priced all season at six thousand eight hundred. Um, yeah. He doesn't have that rushing upside. Uh, he's generally less explosive. I mean, I know he can have some, like, you know, 30-plus fantasy point performances, but that's generally not what you get out of Burrow. You know, they have a diversified offense with Mixon getting good run game. Hurts is a running back himself, and in with the Chiefs, their run game is just basically through quick passes from Mahomes. I think Burrow's a little bit in no man's land. I'm like looking at this and saying there's no way I personally play Joe Burrow. Is like what's the case to be made for playing Joe Burrow, if any? Can you see yourself? Playing uh, I think the case there there's a case to be made here. I think um, because one, I, as I said before, I think this game is the over game. So I think both it's going to be the higher scoring game. Kansas City's defense. Um, I think if I'm looking at the numbers correctly, they're pass rank I mean their their offensive uh, points against is pretty low uh, all season so people have been able to throw against them um, and so therefore if we think this is going to be an absolute shootout getting burrow for I think it's what eight hundred dollars less you can you can talk yourself into uh, being able to use that 800 to get a better you know flex option or running back or even get, like, Kelsey, for example, over some of the other tight ends or something like that. Yeah, and I think another case to be made for it is if you were going to play in, like, a GPP tournament and you want to just stack some bangles and say, you know, I'm going to play a little bit contrarian here and take, you know, Burrow paired with, like, Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase, right? And you're just hoping for those guys to have touchdowns and to get a lot of stack points and and win that way and maybe – they end up blowing out the Chiefs, and you just wanted to be contrarian because you thought everyone else was going to play Mahomes. So 
if you're going to play Joe Burrow, I think it's more in a GPP tournament than in a cash game. I think personally in a cash game, I'm going to be playing Jalen Hurts. I'm going to say it this week, and I'm actually going to fucking do it this week. Last week, I talked myself out of it by, by the slate lock. I'm going to be playing Jalen Hurts. This man is a running back, and I just think the floor is too high compared to the rest of the other slate. With Mahomes dealing with the injury, with Luan Arumo, the coordinator for the Bengals, being amazing defensively the last few weeks. Um, with the Brock Purdy situation now traveling to a staunch Philadelphia atmosphere and defense. I'm going to be playing Jalen Hurts. I'm going to lock it in in my core four by the time we get there at the end of this episode. Let's move on and talk about some of the running backs, Gib. Actually, instead of talking about just – instead of going positionally, I'm going to do it a little bit different this week. All season we've been going position by position, comparing people at their price tags. Uh, it's kind of difficult to do that now because there's such a dip between like McCaffrey and then the next in Mixon and McKinnon. Like there are not multiple spend up running backs this week. There's one of them. So let's just compare the general spend up skill position players and talk about who you would like if you were going to play into one of those spots. So McCaffrey is $8,000. Chase is 7,600. AJ Brown is 7,000 himself. And Travis Kelsey is 7,800. So of all of the people in the club, 7,000 or more club, who are you eyeing and why? I'm eyeing my boy T. Kelsey. Um, oh. I think playing him playing him at the tight end over the other tight ends. Um, with Kelsey, you're guaranteed to have, what, 75 yards, eight catches, and likely a touchdown. Um with me loving Mahomes this week, I think Kelsey's his number one target. I think he's also going to have a big week. He even was getting a bunch of catches when Chad Henney was throwing him to rock. So um, he had seven. I'm going with targets last game. Give seventeen. Yeah, he's seventeen. That's an that's an insane number, right? Um, I love Kelsey uh, this week uh, with the shootout. Um, McCaffrey scares me. I know you're big on McCaffrey. He scares me this week. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Last week, watching Eli Mitchell get more carries than him. Was, did he get more carries than him? I'm going to check it. McCaffrey had 10 carries and 8 targets. And I will check on Eli Mitchell. Eli Mitchell had 14 carries and 0 targets. But yes, more carries. And Yeah, more carries. And so that scared me a little bit. Uh, now, Eli Mitchell's also questionable and so is McCaffrey. I don't know what kind of... Those seem like they're, you know, yeah, they're both going to play, yeah. Yeah, they're both going to play. Um, that's only re- spending eight thousand on McCaffrey, knowing that Eli Mitchell is going to get, you know, fourteen carries uh, or fifteen carries, ten to fifteen carries, and they have so many other targets with, you know, Debo also being kind of like a do it all, you know, running back, wide receiver, Ayuk, who I like this week, and Kittle. It's tough for me to say I'm going to spend eight thousand on on McCaffrey over Kelsey. You're saying. But like over Kelsey, over over Kelsey, over Kelsey. Is there a world in which we could potentially get both of them in there? Like, is there a world where you could play a Brock Purdy and then also have McCaffrey and Kelsey? Is there, or are you just saying if I'm comparing, if I could only fit one spend up in my spot, it's going to be Kelsey? You can likely, I'd imagine you can likely put both of them. You'd have to spend nothing on the defense. So who's the cheapest defense? Like, you'd have to. Hope like Bengals defense was twenty three hundred, and then you'd have to play a one low low spend player, right? Like that could be P Ryan or uh, who's the who's the running back who always gets like one touchdown against the Giants? Scott is it Scott? Yeah, yeah, Boston Scott. <laughs> That's hilarious. You gotta you gotta or or even Gainwell, right? Gainwell he's forty eight hundred. He he balled out last week. Um, so I, there's a world where you can do it. Um, but you'd have to believe that one of those guys who's a lower spend player is gonna is gonna have a, a big week as well. Yeah, I think you're either if you're doing that, you're either fitting in Brock Purdy, and if you're not going down to Brock Purdy, which then does like you're then stacking McCaffrey and Purdy, you're then trying to pick up a lot of value on like Kadarius Tony and Marquez Valdez Scantling, which then just takes away from the idea of having Mahomes and Kelsey as the stack. So I'm with you, Gib. You're probably likely only to play one of these spend-up options um, in either McCaffrey or uh, Chase or, or or Kelsey. You might be able to fit 
one of the receivers in there, but probably only one of the running back or tight end. I'm on the other side, though. I'm going McCaffrey. You know he's my guy. I just think he is an elite weapon in every aspect. I know eight targets, 18 opportunities. I know Kelsey had 17. I think Kelsey's 17 is more an anomaly towards the high end, and I think McCaffrey's 18 opportunities is more of a anomaly towards the low end. So I expect McCaffrey to be closer to 24 opportunities. I expect Kelsey to be closer to 12. So in this slate, I prefer going with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, let's talk about the wide receivers that we haven't talked about. If you're going to play one of them, it's obviously Chase over A.J. Brown, right? We don't need to have too lengthy of a conversation about that. Yeah, I love Chase. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you know my feelings on Chase. Trade for a midseason. Love him. I think he's he's just an absolute baller yeah. each, each and every week. He's, he's just a, a slightly different class than A.J. Brown, in my opinion. So, A.J. Brown is on that next second tier of great wide receivers in this league with the C.D. Lambs and the stuff. Chase is in the, you know, Devonte Adams, Chase, Tyreek conversation. So take the talent, right. take the higher opportunity share. Anyways, I'm sure he gets more targets. Jamar Chase definitely the play for six hundred more dollars than AJ Brown. I think you find a way to get that six hundred dollars somewhere else if you can't. Um, let's talk about the people. Let's go like we just did the seven thousand and, and above club, Gib. So let's keep going with that mentality and let's do the six thousand and above club, which is only two players in the skill positions. It is Devonta Smith and Joe Mixon. So if you find yourself going with one of the higher spend-ups and then one of the guys in the $6,000 range and you are between Mixon and Smith, who you got? I like Mixon here. Um, I like Mixon because I think there's going to be, as I said, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think he gets... I think he scores a touchdown. He looked he looked a little more explosive last week than he did the week before. Uh, again, I don't love Pirine and how many catches Pirine gets, how many uh, snaps he takes away from Mixon. Um, but I just think Mixon, the gameplay. I think this is this is um, Mixon over over Smith here. I agree. More consistent workload, more red zone sh- opportunity share, even saving three hundred dollars on the price tag. So I think there's a more I like him better straight up, and then you have a cheaper option, so your points per dollar. Certainly better with Joe Mixon. We don't need to dwell on that too much. Let's talk about the $5,000 club. McKinnon, Pacheco, Miles Sanders. We could even include Eli Mitchell because he's 4900 are the running backs. For the receivers, it's Debo T. Higgins. And for the tight ends, it's George Kittle. Of all the $5,000 options, I guess we could kind of split it up. Let me ask you this. Is it McKinnon or Pacheco or Miles Sanders this week? I actually think McKinnon personally presents a great opportunity because of the Mahomes injury. Like, I would not be surprised at all if we had 100% of the snaps for Mahomes this week to be either in the shotgun or the pistol just to give him a step back from being under center so he doesn't have to take a back step and turn on that ankle to, like, hand off a ball or to to step into a read. Um, So if he's taking 100% of his snaps from the pistol or the shotgun, then this presents a great opportunity for Mixon to get little quick dump off. So I absolutely love – I'm saying Mixon. I absolutely love McKinnon this week. I see a lot of optimizers playing uh, Miles Sanders. For the reason why I just said I like McKinnon a lot is the exact reason I hate Pacheco. Pacheco is a through-the-tackles runner. He is a line-him-up-in-a-power-eye kind of guy for this team. Um, I don't think they're going to be doing a lot of inside draws from a shotgun for Pacheco. So I really like McKinnon. I'm very far away from Pacheco. And the optimizers, the DFS optimizers, are saying play Miles Sanders. How are you reading the running backs in the $5,000 range? I like your explanation of McKinnon over Pacheco. Um, So I think the question is really, is it McKinnon or Sanders if you had to choose one? Right. Um, And they're both explosive options. I, in my DFS right now, I have Sanders. I like Sanders here. Um, from what I've read, Sanders looks like the right play. As you said, the optimizers are all choosing Sanders. Um, San Francisco's defense is, is is stout, so that it made me question it for a second. But I think he's more of a guarantee to have a, a really good game over McKinnon, who might you know might have an explosive game, or he might have kind of a you know a dud, which might kill your DFS. 
And if you're already playing into Mahomes and you're already playing into Kelsey, then you're probably not also picking a running back from that game. So I think what Gibby's saying makes a lot of sense for roster construction. So keep an eye on those things as well. It's not only about value. It's also about roster construction and, you know, theorizing some game script for these spots. Let's talk about the wide receivers in that range. They're in the different games. It's Debo and T. Higgins. I've been playing Debo every single week in the playoffs thus far. Um, He's been doing great for me. He had an explosive week one. He had 10 points last week. He did fine. Uh, Talent level too high for me to avoid Debo. I think he's in that A.J. Brown conversation in terms of talent, but he's priced around, you know, T. Higgins, Juju level. So I think talent and opportunity make me say it's Debo over T. Higgins in the spot. But the matchup and other things might tell you the other direction. Who are you taking, Debo or T. Higgins? Uh, I'm going to zag on your question a little bit. I'm taking both. Okay. In my my DFS, I have both. Um, Both present good opportunity and value? Yeah, I think I think that their value at fifty four for fifty four hundred for Higgins and fifty seven for Debo, I just thought there was too much value for both of those players to not include in my lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I I had them both last week and was a little disappointed with you know the the output that they put out. I think Debo had what forty five yards and uh, catching and then eleven yards rushing and T Higgins had like thirty yards, which I'm I, I always I always want to bet on the bounce back and I think that they're not a bounce back but like uh next week we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna feed them yep. uh and so I like both of them uh this week uh, but if I had to choose one I'm gonna go Debo um you don't have to choose one I think that's a fantastic answer Gib I I yeah. I'm looking at the optimizers now every single lineup has one of them in it I don't see any of them yeah. with two, so it's a it's, it comes down to roster construction. But the fact that the optimizers are playing both of these names um, means that they should present good value on their points per dollar projection and their potential output. And speaking to you know them having slightly disappointing weeks last week, that means you're still getting the same talent level, but you're getting a slightly you know deflated price. So you could go straight into that. You might not be expecting a super bounce back week. You're just expecting hey. It's still T. Higgins. It's still Debo. So, like, let's not overreact to one bad week and these really low price tags. I agree. 5700 for Debo, 5400 for T. Higgins. Whew. That doesn't make much sense. How are you going to compare either of those options to George Kittle? If you weren't going to play Kelsey and now you have Kittle in the $5,000 range at tight end, would you prefer him over one of those options? Or are you then just decreasing your tight end to a Goddard or a Hayden Hurst type of option? Yeah, you know, and I'm obviously a big Kittle fan, um, but I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not seeing Kittle this week. Kittle's not is not who I, I'm going with. I'd rather go with Goddard here um, and spend 1,100 less. Um, I don't, I don't think that Kittle is that much 1,100 dollars, you know, more valuable than Goddard. I think that's just a better play. But I'm going with Kelsey this week, so. I think that's a great point. And if we're going to talk matchups, if we're going to look at some trends of like how these teams operate in the trenches, do not be surprised at all if George Kittle has a substantially higher blocking role in this week's game than previous ones. So I think he is going to be lined up on that offensive line, being an extra body for Brock Purdy. Uh, I think obviously he's going to run a fair share amount of routes, but not his typical you know, 95% of dropbacks. So look for Kittle to have more of a blocking route. I would expect this to be one of his games where he ends up with like four catches, like two, like three, three catches on four targets. So I am not going for Kittle. Let's ask the same question for tight ends as we did for quarterbacks. There are really only four tight end options to play this week, right? It's Kelsey, Kittle, Goddard, or Hurst. You're, you can't really play anyone else after that. You can't play a backup tight end on one of these teams. If we were going to project the ownership levels for each of these guys, what would you rank them most owned to least owned players on the slate? Kelsey won. Um, even though most expensive, I think he's he's a guarantee. People love that guarantee at tight end, so I think he's, he's going to get the highest. Um, I think Goddard, people are going to see the value there, so his percentage is going to actually be higher than Kittle. Uh, then I go Kittle and then Hurst as uh, the ownership percentages. 
I can't decide if I think Goddard or Hurst are going to be number one. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's definitely a, a week to go a little bit cheaper in tight end. I think the Mahomes injury is going to scare too many people off the double stack, and especially in cash games. Um, I think Goddard provides a very safe floor. I would say Goddard, number one, Hurst, number two, Kelsey, number three, and Kittle, number four. That would be my guess. You could always look up these ownership projections. So if you're going to be making a lineup on Saturday, Google like uh, DFS ownership projections for NFL and check it out. Because if you are torn between two options, if you can't decide, you know, whether you like Debo and Goddard or T. Higgins and Hurst, then, you know, look at, you know, these various combinations of players or Devonta Smith and Hurst versus T. Higgins and Goddard. For random example, those are relatively same sum total price. Then look on the ownership projections, and if you're playing in a GPP tournament, take the less owned person. If you're playing in a cash game, like a 50-50 or the double up, play into the chalk. Play the more owned option. Let other people around you pivot and make the mistakes if you only just need to finish in the top 50%. So remembering not only the players not only the roster construction and how we're projecting these games to go, but also what game lobby you're into and how to play around that kind of contest. All things that are super, super important for DFS and things that me and Gibby will always talk about. Let's end this conversation, Gib, with the defenses. We have four defenses on the slate. Uh, I don't really like any of them this week because we've gotten to this point in the season where there's only good teams left. I think these are the four teams that everyone predicted to, to, to be here at this time. Maybe the Bills instead of the Bengals. But um, we are down to four pretty explosive offenses. Um, tough matchups in the opponent ranks on DraftKings. You see the red, 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 red. There's really no good options. Who are Who is your best of the worst? Uh... I think the best of the worst, you're going to go. I want to go with the Eagles defense here. I bet against 49ers offense last week. It wasn't wasn't terrible. wasn't great. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the options here are, are, are really tough. Um, it's more about, for me, this week, the defense was more about where do I have the money to spend? Can I, do I have enough money to spend to get in either the 49ers or Eagles? Or do I just, you know, plug in a, a, a Chiefs and Bengals because I don't have enough money? Uh, my lineup now, I don't have enough money for Eagles 49ers, so I actually have Chiefs in there, uh, which I don't love, but that's just because I can't afford uh, the the higher two um, defenses. I agree. It's it's Eagles or Bengals, um, and I'm looking at the optimizers right now. Three out of the five optimizers I check have Bengals. Two out of the, two of the five have Eagles. It's simply a matter of fund distribution, the ones that have the Bengals don't have the salary to get up to the Eagles. The ones that the Eagles have a little extra breathing room. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think that's very much correlated. Before we get out of here, Gib, one thing yep. I like to do for DFS is give out a core four. So, these are, the, these, are saying, these are four players that I'm definitely playing in my lineup. These are the guys that I'm not going to pivot off of, that I see the best value in. They could be spend-ups. They could be value options. Um, actually, let's do that, but I also want to have one other conversation. So this is the second to last topic. Let's give out a few players who could be potentially part of our core four. So for me, I am definitely playing Jalen Hurts. Lock him in. He is part of my core four. I am definitely playing Eagles defense. Lock it in. Part of my core four. I am definitely playing Jarek McKinnon. Lock it in, part of my core four. Gib, do you want to give out a few? I have one other one, but I, we, we missed one topic of conversation, so we're going to hit it real quick. Yeah, I'll give out a few. Uh, two that we touched on before, uh, definitely playing Debo. Debo's in my core four. T. Higgins is in my core four. And then um, Patty Mahomes is in my core four. Okay. Um, so I think the last place that we need to discuss before we give out a fourth option, because I do really like always giving out one value play. And, and so I think we just quickly need to talk about the guys below T. Higgins, the Juju, Ayuk, and then Kadarius Toney, Valdez Scantling, Tyler Boyd, 
These people who are priced under 4,000 and potentially very good value opportunities, if you were going to pick off one of these guys, a value wide receiver, who would it be and would you like to put them in your core four? For me, I'm looking at Kadarius Tony this week, Gib. I know I was I was a hater last week. Um, he looked good. He looked like he's very part of this offense. Seven targets, and he's highly involved in these quick routes. He's the the guy that they would use in the end around game. He's a trick play gadget player. With Mahomes being a little banged up, Kadarius Tony's role coming on stronger. I think they are perfectly correlated to have a nice game and for Tony to be a good outlet for Mahomes, who's going to be trying to get the ball out even quicker. So I like Kadarius Tony at his value, and I'm going to make him my last of the core four locks. Do you want to talk about any of those basement wide receivers and lock any of them in? Um, the one that I do want to lock in here uh, that I don't think he gets enough love is Ayuk. I think he, of the receivers, because I don't really consider Debo a receiver. He's more of like a switch army knife, like he can do everything. He gets a lot of targets. I think that with Kittle blocking a lot more, um, he could be one of the red zone targets. So I'm going to go Ayuk as a core four who I'm locking in uh, to my team. So you're okay playing both Ayuk and Debo because you spoke a little bit saying you're not as much into McCaffrey. You're talking about Debo being also a running back. You're talking about Mitchell's carries. So you're okay playing Debo as a lock because the value, because he's multi-positional, and then Ayuk because the value as kind of one of the main wide receivers for this team? Exactly. And you don't think I should hedge my Eagles bet and you take a two core 449ers? <laughs> I'm not even going to let you answer that. Thank you for joining me today, Gabe. Everyone else, I will be back later this week with Brewski to talk NBA futures and some awards races. Me and Gabe will be back in two weeks to discuss the Super Bowl slate. We will be doing best bets. We will be giving out some prop bets, and we will discuss a little fun DFS showdown slate for a one-game option. Gib, thank you for joining me. Take care, bud. Pleasure as always. Peace out.